Hello there, welcome. This is On Mike with Jordan Rich, conversations with fascinating people from all walks of life and many from the world of arts and entertainment. Today, a real treat. We are joined by the one and only Ted Neely. Now, he's known for a lot of things, being a dynamite musician and composer, an actor in many productions, including Hair and Tommy, but he's most famous for his starring role as Jesus in the smash hit Broadway play Jesus Christ Superstar and the iconic 1973 film. I'm recording this podcast in late August of 2021, and for those of you who are in the local Boston area, Ted Neely will be joined by one of his great friends and co-stars, Yvonne Elliman, for a show called Superstars in Concert, performing at the wonderful Regent Theater in Arlington, Friday and Saturday, September 17th and 18th, beginning at 8 p.m., and then there's a screening of Jesus Christ Superstar on Sunday the 19th. Both Ted and Yvonne will be there for that as well. There may be a ticket or two left. Go to regenttheater.com. It's time to talk right now with a gent who's had the opportunity and the honor to play the Son of God on more than one occasion. He may not walk on water, but when he walks on stage, it's magic. So please join me as I go on mic with Ted Neely. I first of all want to ask you what you probably get asked a lot. Do you have a God complex having played the Son of God uh, 1,700 plus times? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's really a a nice, uh, shall we say, uh, complex, if you will, because people treat me like that, <laughs> you know, and, and I and I keep saying, you know, I'm a screaming rock and roll drummer from Texas. It got really, really lucky, and I, and I mean that from my heart because I never had any real training. I was singing rock and roll from the time I was born, and it just happened to be in the right places at the right time that people saw the band I was in and like the fact I can scream high notes and next thing you know, I'm on film. Yeah. I, just, I still can't believe it to this day. Well, here's the thing that I, I noticed in reading about you and researching you. You're not trained as an actor, and yet you've done so much on stage and in film and on television. Very natural for you. Did you have a, a family that promoted the idea of being animated and playing around using your imagination? Tell me about you well, as a kid. Honestly, I love the way you said that because it's definitely my family because my I have an older brother and a younger sister and my mom and dad both sang, not professionally. My mm-hmm. dad was an oil field worker. My mom was just the mother, you know. But every night when my dad would come home from his work, we'd have dinner and then he would get out his guitar or his banjo or his ukulele and we would sing. We learned how to sing before we learned how to talk, literally. <laughs> so uh, we learned harmonies, all of that, you know, by singing with them. And I, so I was so confident with singing because it was comfortable. It was just a natural thing for me. And next thing you know, I had to put a band together. And by golly, thank goodness it worked that way because it's changed my life completely. The film was amazing, changed all of our lives completely. So... Please forgive me if I'm carrying on too long. No, 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 short, no, no, no. I just can't tell the short story here. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I want to take you back and do a little chronological work with you. In the oh, early 60s, that's when you formed your own group, right? And and did you get an early record deal with one of the ca- uh, companies, I believe? Yes, Capitol Records. And here's how we got that. When we, we graduated from high school, uh, and our, our parents meaning the band parents, uh, had, had watched us do what we did for so long and had faith in us. And they said, okay, guys, you can go anywhere you want in the world, but you got to come home in the fall and go to college. So we went to California. We literally worked our way out from city to city, auditioning in nightclubs and getting a job, and then we eventually made it to, to Los Angeles. 
we were so different because it was during the uh, surfer period of music. Mm-hmm. And we were this crazy Texas band that not only did everybody's music, we didn't write, we stole from everybody. <laughs> and we'd, we also did a floor show, you know, so we were unique. And this fan base just came to us, no matter which world we were playing, it was incredible. And 90% of them were people who were in the entertainment industry. So one thing led to something else. Next thing you know, we got drafted. Well, it's we it. had, Go ahead, go ahead. And anyway, so the bottom line is we had to go home and, and, and go through that whole process. And a week before I was supposed to re- report for duty, I got a letter from the draft board saying, Dear Mr. Neely, we just found out that you are your mother's sole support, so you don't have to go. Mm, wow. That, my mom saved me from going to Vietnam, literally. And, so I decided to go yeah. back out to California, and I put songs together and became a <laughs> single artist. And the next thing you know, people are asking me to do TV shows, and uh, I, I, I just right place, right time. That's the story of my life, literally. Well, I, I so interesting you say that about Vietnam. I mean, because that that would have changed everything. I unlikely I'd be talking with you. You might not be alive now. I mean, that's how weird, You're absolutely right, weird the yeah. world is. Uh, but you know, uh, in looking back, uh, it just superstar didn't just happen out of thin air. There were other shows, including Hair. Tell me about that experience, because everybody who remembers hair remembers how crazy it was and how illuminating it was. Talk about that, if you would. With it me. was absolutely magnificent, literally. And I, I got into hair because when we were in, in Hollywood doing all of our nightclub stuff, the band, uh, we the people who came, like I said, we were all in the industry. And uh, since we had such a big following, the people who own, who run the clubs of where we worked would let us choose people at late at night after 2 o'clock in the morning. They would have to clean up the club and all that. We could hang out until they closed the doors. And one night, one of the actors said, Hey, Ted, are you working tomorrow? I said, Not in the daytime. He said, Well, we got auditions we're going to. We'd love you to see what we have to do to get a job. I went with them. Long story getting even longer. When we finally got into the theater, because there were tons of people outside in the parking lot, we, we couldn't see or uh, down to the stage. We were in the lobby. But we could hear what was going on. And there were five guys that I went there with. They all went in one at a time. And when they finished, they came out. We started to leave. They called my number. I went to watch. I didn't go to audition. I didn't know, but the guys had, had worked with this director before, and they arranged to put me on the stage. They literally picked me up, took me down the, the hallway to the theater stage, put me on the stage, and it was completely dark in the building. And, and, and I went over to the piano player. He had a light there. I was talking to him for a minute, and I hear... Are you Mr. Neely? And I said, yes. I didn't know where the voice was coming from. He said, well, what have you prepared for us today, Mr. Neely? And I said, nothing. I've never done this before. <laughs> he said, well, are you a singer? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, sing us a rock and roll song so we can see what you can do. So I turned to Panic Blair and said, do you know Stevie Wonder's song of For Once in My Life? He said, yeah. I said, let's do that one. So I did a few bars. Of that. When you audition for those shows, they give you 30 seconds, you know. Mm. So I finished the 30 seconds, and I started to walk up the stage. The voice that said, well, listen, Eddie, could you sing us about it? A love song that shows your passion, blah, 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 blah. So I turned to the piano player and said, think Tony Bennett, same song. So I sang Tony Bennett's version for 30 seconds. Well, none of the actors got hired. They hired me, and the show was hair. That's uh, how I got into hair. As you're telling that story, I'm, I'm reminded of a very good piece of advice I once got. And I'm, I'm in the voiceover world, so I've done a lot of auditions. And the, that advice is 
always go into an audition knowing you're not going to get it. <laughs> and you, <laughs> and it, but you didn't even know you were auditioning hardly. Yeah. I had no idea. That is so I, wild. I, I had I had no even a dream of being in theater or films. I was a screaming rock and roll mm-hmm. drummer. Mm-hmm. But so, one thing led to something else. So here you are. It's the late '60s. You're doing all this. Um, you, I have to ask you about one particular television appearance that I read briefly about, and that's the Smothers Brothers. Were you on a very special episode that nobody ever saw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things that uh, happened, and that, the, the, the segment that was done. Um, it was, shall we say, from CBS's point of view, uh, offensive. Yeah. So they didn't. They didn't do that episode, and consequently, it got canceled as a result of that. Do you remember uh, any circumstances? Do you remember any bits or any uh, any specifics can, about can the you, show? Can you think of a, of a world-famous football player that was, um, now he's been in prison? And <laughs> I, I think I have an idea. Uh, drink, think about orange juice, maybe? Is that what you're thinking about? <laughs> that guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, the bottom I don't want to drop any names, but the bottom line was there was a segment that was written that I was in and everybody that was there was in, and uh, it was it was really funny. But like I said, the network took it as offensive, and that's what canceled the show. Wow. Let's talk about Superstar, and we're thrilled that you're coming to the New England area at the wonderful Regent Theater, one of my favorite spots, 17th and 18th. You played many times in this area, and uh, you're you're in a show with Yvonne Elliman, who was one of your co-stars way back when, and... uh, But but how did you... How did the role of, well, the man come to you? How did that happen? Okay, ready? I'm ready. (laughs) I was actually in Hollywood after the uh, world premiere of Superstar on Broadway, which was in 71, and uh, they decided to do a a national tour, excuse me, and at the same time, I had auditioned for Tommy in Los Angeles, and, excuse me, yeah, uh, for Tommy Mm -hmm. was playing in Los Angeles, I auditioned in New York, uh, and I got the role of Tommy, so I was in L.A. rehearsing for Tommy, mm-hmm. and it's that third, fourth week when you when you do the it is four weeks of rehearsal. First three, you just go get them work. The the fourth week is work all day and do a preview for an audience at night. Well, I read in the Hollywood Reporter that Norman Jewison was in Hollywood casting for his new film Jesus Christ Superstar. Well, I couldn't get out of the the rehearsal nor the performance to go to an audition. So I, I, I called the Directors Guild and said, uh, do you have the Norman Jewison's agent's uh, phone number? Yes, just a minute. They gave it to me. Boom, I made the call to call. And, hello, hmm. Warburg. I said, do you have Norman Jewison's agent? Yes, hold just a minute. Hmm. Instantly, they put me on the phone with him. I said, are you Norman Jewison's agent? He says, yeah, who are you? I said, you don't know me, nobody knows me, I'm, I'm in Tommy, and I'm, I'm, doing, I'm working, and I'd like to see Mr. Jewison. He said, who are you? I said, honestly, I'm nobody. Please, please, could you just contact Mr. Jewison and invite him on my behalf to see the show? <laughs> Let that be my audition. He said, hold on just a minute. Five minutes later, I'm holding on. He said, I just talked to Norman. He'd love to see Tommy. When would you like him to come? I said, Anytime he wants, but I can't know he's in the audience. I'll be frightened to death, so please just let him come and do whatever. Okay, he came to see the show. 
Well, I mean, it was very physical. It was the stage was like a pinball machine, <clears throat> and I'm not a dancer, but they wanted me to be in the uh, end of the first act, which is the under tour that Pete Townsend wrote. So they put me in the dance as the pinball, and I was being tossed back and forth from mm. these giant actors, dancers who were like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but they were great dancers. One night we did it and misjudged something, and we both fell Don't. and were knocked out during the performance. Oh, my goodness. And the dancers were so great, they made it look like that was part of the choreography, right? Pulling us off the stage, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's the show Norman Jewison came to see. A knockout performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Anyway, so the agent called me the next day and said, what happened? What, what, what? And I explained it to him. I said, is there any way that I can talk to Norman? Because I, I, I'm so sorry I didn't get He said, well, let me see what I can do. Anyway, he set up a lunch for me with Norman Jewison at the hotel where he was staying. I went to the hotel. I was looking like Tommy, like I was 18 years old, you know, so I called a buddy of mine, actor, said, can you come make me look like Jesus, man? So he did. He put a wig on me, did the beard, all the whole thing. I go to the hotel where Norman is staying. We had lunch. I had an incredible experience, and that's what got me the film, because he then came to see Superstar opening at the Universal Amphitheater with Carl Anderson and myself for that international tour, mm-hmm. American tour, sorry. And, uh, he tested us both together, and we got the film. And it's interesting because in Broadway history and Broadway movie history, it's not rare, but it's less likely for the Broadway star to get the Hollywood role. I mean, Topol. Oh, you got that. Right. right. Topol, who, another Norman Jewison film, Fiddle on the Roof, and Topol yeah. was great, but everyone's yeah. expecting Zero Mostel. So here you are, a kid from Texas. You've done Broadway. You've done uh, national tours. But you get into a movie with a three-time Academy Award-winning director. Unbelievable. You, 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 and what did I talk about a change in my life? Norman Jewison <clears throat> cast the entire company unknowns. And he did that, he told us later on, because of Carl's and my audition. Because mm-hmm. he had, he had uh, the ideas for these big stars to play the roles so that the movie would be successful. But he, he said, guys, Carl and myself, he said, when you did your screen test, I saw a natural friendship that was already there that I didn't know if the actors could actually do. And I started thinking about it, and I went, wait a minute. If I have big stars playing those roles, people are going to be watching those big stars play Jesus and Judas and blah, blah, blah. Maybe if I have unknowns, they'll be more involved with the picture. Mm -hmm. So he made the decision. We were all unknowns, literally. And he treated us as if we were contemporaries. He never once made us feel weak or idiotic. I can give you a quick little summary of, of how stupid we were. Yeah. Uh, whenever they got the costumes together <clears throat> for us, and now this is what, after we were in Israel on one of our rehearsal days, <clears throat> before we did any shooting, Norman said, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do tests with everybody. Uh, they've got the costumes ready. We want to get all of you in costume, and we want to just shoot what you're doing. There won't be any any recording of dialogue. So we want you to just walk around with each other and look like you're supposed to be the characters. So next day we come in. He says, okay, I'm going to do uh, Jesus and the Apostles first, so let's go do that, guys. So he walked over to a place by the Dead Sea, which is just desert, you know, and he, takes, he, starts, he says, okay, now I just want you to walk around with each other and talk to each other. Don't worry about anything except most importantly, whenever 
I say action, you've got to hit your mark. And there was silence for a moment. And one of the actors who shall remain nameless said, pardon me, Mr. Jewison, if you want us to hit our mark, which one of us is Mark? <laughs> that's brilliant. That's I love that. Do, Sounds that like a Mel Brooks line. We were. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But um, that's how unknown we were. Okay? Yeah, it, it was a real... And by the way, you just mentioned something. You said you, you filmed it in Israel, which is pretty yeah. awesome to begin with at an interesting yeah. time in Israel's history. But um, a, a fun question, maybe you've you've thought about this. Uh, times when you're in the commissary or uh, the food tent and you're in costume, does it does it get people a little bit excited to see Jesus sit down next to them and have a sandwich? <laughs> well, fortunately, you're talking about the making of the film, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, fortunately, 90% of the people that were cast for the film we had all worked together before. And mm. in, in Hare, or Superstar, or Tommy, or Sergeant, we, we'd all worked together. So we were all friends. And nobody, you know, just because I was wearing the costume and doing the character, I'm, I'm, hey, Caiaphas and Annas were more important than I was to most people, you see. So, but it was a family affair, literally, the whole time. And it changed our lives for the better forever. Well, one of the, one of the actors who played Herod, of course, is the great Josh Mustel, Zero's son. So right. talk about tradition there, man. And, and Yvonne, let's talk about Yvonne Elliman, who played Mary Magdalene, and you're working well, with her still. Well, before I forget it, just in yep. case, can I tell you a quickie about Josh? And get oh, it, I'd love to hear a quick story okay. about him. So as you mentioned about Zero didn't get the role, you know. Of Tevya. Uh, yeah. So, so <laughs> whenever <laughs> Norman made his decision, Norman's a guy who works personally. He doesn't go through agents and managers. He called each one of us individually and said, you're going to be in my film. So when he called Josh, phone, answered. He said, hello. And he said, uh, is this uh, Josh Mustel's home? And the voice said, uh, who's calling? And I said, and he said, Norman Jewison. He said, call God, I just well, I forgot the name. Forgive me. Josh? Forgive me. My brain. No, no. He said, who did who did Fiddler? Did it, oh, oh uh, Herschel Bernardi. No, no, the film. Oh, Topol. Yeah. He said, call Topol's son, and he hung the phone. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, that's a, a pain in his craw there, I guess. Uh, that, no. Son of a gun. Son of a gun. That's a okay, great story. So you mentioned about Yvonne. I want to know more about Yvonne. Yvonne had that huge disco hit in the 70s, but uh, she was oh, obviously yeah. a quite a uh, performer along with that. If I can't have you, I don't want nobody, <laughs> baby. Yep. She worked with so many people, and she had so many hits from films and whatever, and she is the sweetest lady in the entire world. She mm -hmm. lives in Hawaii. And she has toured all over the world with many, many people. She, the bottom line is she is a great singer, and she's still a great singer. And uh, that's why we decided to put this together. Because she and I wanted to do a concert thing, a tour, whatever, as long as we've known each other. But we've never had the time when we both were not working in something at the same time. So now this pandemic gave us the time to develop this. Yeah. And that's why we're doing it, because we want to do it and also... Because we want to make sure that the theaters that are, shall we say, suffering and have because of the pandemic, sure. stay open. Can you imagine having that theater closed because there's no attendance or no shows or whatever because of the lockdown? So 
we not only are doing that, we, we do screenings all the time. But I just did a screening last week uh, up the California coast, four different cities, to see if it would work. And yeah, they're still working. We've been doing it for eight years, doing those private screenings. Here's a question about you as an actor and your evolution in the role, because you've played the role 20 years after you originated it. And, you know, you're not just talking about some character somebody made up. Uh, you're talking about the <laughs> greatest living character in the in the modern era, the Bible. Uh, has do you did you notice how you changed it all in terms of your interpretation or in terms of your thought process from well, the time you were young to the time you were a little older? Well, the thing about it was Carl and I uh, were working after the film finished in other projects, and we had nothing to do with Superstar for that twenty year period, wow. and we wanted to. to a tribute. So he, he and I put together this thing and we talked to people about it and they got a theater to say yes for a, a four-week rehearsal and a six-week run. And the bottom line was that was a, a, such a wonderful reunion for he and I because we got to be ourselves pretending to be those two people in the movie. And all we had to do was just create, recreate the blueprint. Mm -hmm. And I promise you that we did it so many times together live and never once did we feel like it was old and unknown i've literally even the i was in europe now for five and a half years before the pandemic chased us out doing superstar again That's and it. i've never once walked on that stage when i didn't feel like my feet would not touch the ground it's this the music just carries you away i'm telling you and then to know yeah. that you're doing something that everybody knows about and everybody then sings along with you. <laughs> what an amazing experience. Did you ever uh, have any contact with Andrew Lloyd Webber, the creator of the show? The only time, literally, that we had contact with Andrew was when we were rehearsing the Broadway show in 1971, world premiere for a theater. Because basically, uh, he, and Ann, he and Tim didn't really have an idea of anything but the album. <laughs> Tim and Andrew uh, wanted to be the Simon and Garfunkel of... London, but it just didn't quite work out. Mm. <laughs> but they were both beautiful writers, you see. And then that album came out and was worldwide successful and still is today. And therefore, they were so much more successful than anybody. The only time that we saw them at that particular period of time was when they came in to see some of the rehearsals in I New see. York. Okay, so that, but I've seen Tim and talked with Tim many times. Andrew obviously is so busy putting up his shows and all that. We never see Andrew. But Tim, all the time I was right. in Europe, no matter what country or city we went to, he would come and see the show. The great, walk backstage with everybody and hang out. So, great Tim but Rice, Andrew, yeah. I don't know if you know about Andrew, but he, he decided to do uh, a new show, <clears throat> a new production of Cinderella, and they were rehearsing it and getting ready to put it on stage, and it turned out that one of the people in the cast caught the COVID. Mm. They had to shut it down. They yeah. didn't even get to open it. So. We're real sad. Eighteen months for performances live and and otherwise, but well, hopefully, hopefully we're coming back. Before we conclude, I do want to ask you about other projects and you talk about a working musician and a working performer. I was reading about you. you you've done all kinds of collaboration with. Uh, people like Tina Turner and Ray Charles, the Kinks, and of course, an old friend of yours, Ben Vereen. Uh, I'm a yeah, huge yeah. Ben Vereen fan from the Me days too. of from the days of Pippin and all that. But uh, talk a little bit about the work you've done in the last several years. I mean, because a lot of it has to do with helping other musicians. 
I just uh, I'm a collaborator. You know, I, it's not that I'm you know a nice guy who does stuff. It's just that I anytime I get an idea to do something, I call people I've worked with and we put it all together. Uh, we have a project right now that's ready to go as soon as the stuff actually opens up. <clears throat> a new project, um, I, and you know we have our documentary that was just released on the 10th which is called superstars the documentary extended version uh is on apple tv as we speak and what it is is a look at us the actors the, the, i call the grateful eight the principals on the set behind the scenes it's not remaking the film it's just showing the effect that it had on us while we were shooting the film and each individual since then and the bottom line is that it's something that's basically, a, shall we say, a love song and a thank you to Norman Jewison. Because without Norman, none of us would have had anything to do. So we feature Norman, interviews with Norman, interviews with all the actors, showing the things that we've done with these signing conventions all around the country and up till today. And that's what that documentary is about. And Norman, God bless him, is still with us. He's in his mid-90s, I believe. And, uh, yes, he is. Just turned 95. An incredible <laughs> career. Uh and and people do know him for a lot of films, including the classic uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. So, uh, could I tell you a quick story? Please, about Norman? please, I promise please. I won't talk for an hour. No, you're great. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> we did it. We did a, a reunion in New York a few years back. It was the first time that all of us had been together in the same place at the same time with Norman. We invited Norman, <clears throat> and we're the. Theater where we did it was wonderful, and right next door was this massive hotel where we all stayed while we were rehearsing. And when Norman arrived on the day of the actual reunion in the hotel, we were all in the lobby waiting for him, and we had the camera set up and all that. And that's just hard. He came in with his wife, and everybody went crazy, and he went crazy. And we got him in front of the camera and interviewed him. And the first question I got to, to ask, I said, Norman, how are you? He put his arms up like he just scored a, foot, a, a touchdown. Mm. And he said, stay alive, stay alive, <laughs> stay alive. That was the sense of humor the man has uh, and still does today. Wonderful that's person. Great. All right, here's one more very important thing. If uh, There are actual websites dedicated to the rock scream, okay? And I've looked at these websites, uh, had a lot of fun with them in, in the radio days when I was doing radio, and it's amazing to see how guys like you are able to keep doing it. But obviously it must evolve a little bit, but you're famous, including in parts of Superstar, for that inimitable rock scream. Did, we, <laughs> did that develop as a, as a baby and coming out of the womb, or how do you develop that? I'm so happy you said what you just did, <laughs> because my, 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 my mother would say, people would say, well, how did, he, how did he develop that rock scream? She said, the day he was born. How did... He didn't, he didn't cry. <laughs> he went, yeah! <laughs> Well, I think it's a scream of joy. I think it's great, man. I think it's what shows energy and life and uh, and just having fun. I, I think that's fabulous. You're absolutely right, man. It's, I'm so lucky. I'm the luckiest man alive because I've been able to do these things I've gotten to do. And i, I got to tell you, I could never, if anybody had said to me when I was a child, you know, uh, in your future, you're going to be uh, signing autographs and going to do screenings or uh, things you've done, I would have said, are you out of your mind? 
I'm a screaming drummer. I'm a, I'll be sitting there behind the drums screaming. That's what I'll be doing. <laughs> I had no possible idea anything like this could happen. Well, you look good in the hair and the robe anyway, that's for sure. You, you've got it all you'd have got it all going on, my friend. And and we want to remind people that it's Friday and Saturday, the seventeenth and eighteenth of September twenty twenty one, uh, at the beautiful and majestic Regent Theater in Arlington, Great Theater. And then Sunday, as you mentioned earlier, you guys, you and Yvonne are gonna be doing a, a screening of Superstar, right? Correct, yes. And we've been doing that for the last eight years all over America, and we can't believe how people show up. It's always sold out. We do the screening. We used to do sing-alongs before the pandemic hit, because they love to sing along. And they come yeah. dressed in costumes of their favorite character in the film. And it's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, you're an incredible dude. I really appreciate you calling in. Oh. A lot of fun to get to meet you, and uh, we wish you and everybody in the group from Superstar and beyond all the very, very best. Nice to have you back out on the road, too. I'd be able to hopefully see you when we're there in Boston. Looking forward to five minutes. Give it my best shot. Absolutely. If you want, we could bring the concert to your station. (laughs) (laughs) What a great guy. Ted Neely starring, of course, as Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar and so many other guest appearances on TV and other films. And of course, on stage throughout the country. And once again, as we recorded this podcast, we're a few days out from Yvonne Elliman joining Ted Neely for Superstars in Concert at the wonderful Regent Theater in Arlington, Massachusetts, Friday and Saturday, September 17th and 18th at 8 p.m. with a showing of the film Jesus Christ Superstar with Ted and Yvonne present on the 19th. Go to regenttheater.com and you can always check out tednealy.com. That'll do it for another episode of On Mike. I want to thank, as always, Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media, Ken Carberry and the gang at Chart Productions in Boston, and all of you guys out there for subscribing and downloading our program. For more, visit jordanrich.com. And until next time, as always, be well so you can do good. Take care. <laughs>